Welcome to the Sale Street Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And for more information about our church, visit salestreet.org. Praise the Lord. Man, I'm so thankful to have a worship team like we have at Sale Street. I've been to a lot of churches. Sometimes it feels like it's a performance, you know, like you're at a concert. Sometimes it feels like it's just something that we just have to get through, you know, uh, as part of the service. But it's great to feel like you're just at the throne of God telling Him how great He is. You guys can be seated. I just want to pray for a moment and then we'll dive into the Word. Father, thank You for who You are, the Most High God, Creator of the universe, the King of glory. You are what we need. We need you. We need you this morning and forevermore. And so we just we just come before you and worship you, for you are good and holy and pure and right, faithful and loving and merciful. There is none other like you, Father. Show us these things today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're new with us here at Self Street, we want to welcome you, but also just kind of tell you where we are. Uh, here at Self Street, we like to preach through books of the Bible, and uh, right now we're preaching through the book of Acts, and we'll be in chapter 4, uh, starting verse 23 this morning. If you want to turn there, I encourage you to, if you have an app, or we'll have it on the screen as well, but please uh, just make sure that, that you can follow along in some way. Just a recap of kind of what all has happened in the book of Acts up until this point. Our, our theme through this preaching series is the church then and now. Because the moment that, that Jesus drew his last breath, everything changed, right? He, the, the law was fulfilled. The old covenant of the law was now the new covenant of grace. And so the church of old was now... the this New Testament church, right? And, and a lot of things changed. And to be honest, I think in our flesh, sometimes we tend to revert back to that old covenant of the law, right? Because it's easy to make a lot of ourselves, and that's what we see a lot through the book of Acts. But Jesus said in, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, right, the Holy Spirit would come when it would come, that it would come in power, and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And the book of Acts, 28 chapters, and even continuing today, is the fulfillment of what Jesus said in Acts 1-8. It's exactly what happened. Chapter 2, the Spirit came. The gospel was preached in Jerusalem, and then it just, just starts moving from there, right? They preached in Jerusalem, then they moved to Judea, and then Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So the the Acts 1-8 is fulfilled in the book of Acts. But in that, we see how the grace of God just moves the people of God to, to preach the gospel, to do a lot of supernatural things so that could even be possible. Uh, we see just the commands of Christ really begin to become the priority of the church. And so that's our prayer for Cell Street is that 
that we would become this New Testament church just like we see in the book of Acts. And so today's passage, you know, a lot of passages in Acts, we, we read and we see these apostles with a capital A, right? These guys have supernatural abilities that none of us have today. I mean, they can heal the sick, raise the dead. They can, they can do all kind of really neat things. And a lot of times we'll read the book of Acts like, wouldn't that be neat if we could do that? But the passage we're going to look at today, and I think it's very important that we realize this, there's none of that in this passage. What, what we'll see today can be a reality at Self Street, and I pray that it is. I pray that this passage in Acts is just a, a book of stories, but that it would truly shape us to be the, the people that God would have us to be. And so let's read Acts chapter 4, beginning in, in verse 23, but let's read it with, the, with this in mind, that this is God's heart for us. So last week, Kent preached the first 22 verses, and Peter and John, this kind of brings up speed, preached the gospel and the Sadducees, which was this kind of political group that kind of called them in before this council, and, and uh, they were upset with them. Like, guys, you've got to quit preaching this gospel. What happened was in chapter 3, this lame beggar who they walked by every single day got miraculously healed in the, in the name of Jesus, right? He got up, he went into the temple, he was leaping and praising God, and these political guys kind of saw it as a threat, right? It's like, uh-uh, y'all better quit this. Stop. Quit preaching this Jesus stuff right here in Jerusalem. And so now... In this passage, they come back to the people, to the church, and here's what happens. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said... By the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? And in the peoples, and the peoples plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart, and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph who was also called by the apostle 
Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear and that you would make us the people that you would have us to be. We pray it all in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. I've entitled this sermon, The Church We Want to Be, right? This is, we want to be the New Testament church that God has designed us to be. And, and we've been taking steps to be more like the church that God has designed us to be. And I'm super excited, but today we're going to see uh, just a continuation from what Kent started last week in that we want to be a church that proclaims the gospel. That's the first 22 verses that, that Kent preached on last week, right? We want to be a people who are committed to preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to be the people that Jesus said we would be in Acts 1.8 because the same Holy Spirit that he said would come and empower us to be witnesses is the same Holy Spirit that dwells in the heart of every person who has ever trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I don't want to neglect that in just looking at verses 23 through 37 because a lot of what we see in the book of Acts is a response to the preaching of the gospel. So today we're going to look at prayer and generosity in this particular passage, but the necessity of this prayer and even the response of this generosity is, is a result of preaching the gospel, right? It's not just another activity that Jesus has added to our life that we need to do. And so it's, it's active. This kingdom that we belong to is active. It's alive. And, and we, are, we are part of it. And preaching the gospel is a high priority. It is the primary task of the church. And so we want to be a church that proclaims. But in, pick it up in verse 23. We see these people were people committed to prayer. We want to be a church that prays. Now... It seems obvious, right? I mean, it just sounds like typical preacher talk, church talk, church activity. Hey, you know, we need to be praying. But these people were praying out of necessity, not because it was an activity, right? It wasn't like, all right, this is the hour of prayer, and so we're going to set aside this amount of time, and we're just going to get on our knees, and, and we're going to pray. No. Look at what it says in verse 23. And they were released from this council... They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And look how they responded. Now, now just remember, they preached Jesus, saw miracles happen. These men called them before them and said, you've got to stop. So they go back to the church. Here's what they say. They lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. I love it. The people of God always tie everything to this book, right? I mean, they tied it back and they said, Man, this is, where, this is what David was talking about, right? The Gentiles raised. People are going to rise up against the Lord and his work. And they see the Lord's sovereignty in this. Like it's part of God's plan to experience this difficulty while we preach the gospel that he's called us to preach. 
He goes on in verse 27, For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So instead of going to God and saying, God, why me? Their response is, God, you are in control. You knew this was going to happen. It's part of your plan. So verse 29 says, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They didn't pray for deliverance. They prayed for boldness. And we've got a lot to learn from this. Because in the flesh, what do we want to do when it gets difficult, right? We want to do something else, right? We want a better set of circumstances. And what they prayed for was power and boldness, courage to continue to do what they'd been called to do. And they were so devoted to what Christ had commanded them to do that nothing was going to stop them. They knew they had to do it. They wanted to do it, but they knew they couldn't do it without the boldness that only the Holy Spirit could provide. So they recognized the sovereignty of God. They praise Him for who He is, and they pray for boldness. Personally, I, I think risk management has kind of paralyzed the church. And what I mean by that is I, I have heard so many excuses why we shouldn't go and face difficult and dangerous situations and preach the gospel when Scripture is filled with examples that we need to pray for the boldness, the courage, the provision, the people to go and preach the gospel to every person to the ends of the earth. I've literally heard testimonies of young people who say, man, I feel called to missions. They go home and they tell mom and dad, mom and dad, I'm called to missions. Oh, uh-uh, no, that's, mm -mm. We, ain't, we ain't turning you loose to that. It's too dangerous there. Or, you know, they got all kind of diseases, or they don't have these kind of resources and those kind of resources. Well, I'm not letting you get on an airplane. I mean, these are real-life examples that I've heard. And Christ has commanded us obey that calling to go and proclaim the gospel these folks weren't praying for traveling mercies my friends they were praying so that the kingdom of God would advance and that's, that's huge that's huge I think the fear of rejection alone keeps most people from preaching the gospel just a fear of somebody telling me no or asking me a question I don't know the answer to. These men saw the resurrected Jesus, and as a result, they were convinced. And you and I have the same access to the power of the resurrection that they did. We have the same calling on us. As a church, we have the same calling on us. We've got to be willing to proclaim the gospel even if it means death. 
when the going gets tough, we just pray for the strength that we would never have on our own to keep obeying the Word of God. They prayed because they had to. My friend Brandon used to, he and I were on staff together at the church, and he, he was our worship pastor, but Brandon used to talk about spiritual risk, and I, I think about it all the time. We're not willing to take spiritual risk. That's a problem with the church in America today, is we're not really willing to make ourselves vulnerable. We're not even willing to make ourselves vulnerable in community and open up to one another and ask each other to pray for whatever we're struggling in, much less to go in the face of adversity and proclaim the gospel and pray for the strength to do so. Got to be willing to risk everything for the sake of the gospel. That's the call to follow Jesus. That's what it means to surrender all. At times, I, I feel like we, we spend more time praying that we'll live longer here on earth than we do for the lost and dying souls of the world to live forever in a place called heaven. And what I mean by that. It's good to pray for our friends who are suffering through health issues or whatever. But we cannot neglect the calling that we have to proclaim the gospel. They prayed because they had to. Man, I, I pray that soon we will be a people who are known for proclaiming the gospel in the deepest, darkest places of Lake Charles. In the face of anything that might come against that. And that we'll find our ourselves on our knees because we have to be. Because if God doesn't do what only he can do, we can't accomplish his will here on earth. We've got to be willing to, to take those risks, to make ourselves vulnerable, to, to really believe what he has commanded us to do. Furthermore, this kind of prayer doesn't just give us what we need to, to obey the word and to proclaim the gospel. It didn't just give it to them. I believe that it, it prepares the hearers, right? If, if we pray for the sake of the gospel, that we would be a people that would proclaim it, we're going to pray for those who are going to hear it as well. And man, that's what prepares the soil for the seed of the gospel that we sow. So, it's, it's not, it's, it's almost a selfless prayer, right? It's, it's not, Lord, give us. It's, Lord, help us so that your kingdom might move forward. I'll tell you a story where this passage really became evident uh, in part of my life is back in about 2013, the State Baptist Convention had an initiative called LA340. And what LA 340 was, it was a call to Louisiana churches to, to reach an unreached, unengaged people group. So what they said was there's supposedly 3,400 unreached, unengaged people groups. And what I mean by that is these people have like less than 1% Christian and they have no evangelical presence among them. And so 10% of 3,400 was 340. So Louisiana Baptist said, hey, Let's, let's see if Louisiana churches can reach 340. And I was like, golly, I love this. Like, how do we sign up? 
And so, man, they showed me some neat resources and how to identify these different groups. And, man, we started praying like, Lord, where would you send us as a church? And, man, we identified this, this little group of people in northwest Mozambique called the Nsenga people, 250,000 people. It was right next to a place we'd been working for years and had some partners that spoke the same language in Malawi. And so we, the Lord called us to, to go and proclaim the gospel to these people. And so I got on the phone and I uh, started reaching out to some missionaries I knew in the area. And, um, and there was one fellow, his name was Ken Helgren. Uh, I talked to him and Ken was an IMB missionary in Zambia. And, and the reason they connected me with Ken was that he had tried to reach these people. And so I'm listening to him and he's like, man, I never could get across the border. He said, we tried. Man, we would send people, you know, natives over there to try to get permission to cross the border. And, and I was like, man, you're not helping me here. Like, like the Lord's called us to reach these people. How in the world are we going to get there? He said, I've tried. We can't. And so we said, well, we, we're just going to pray. And so, man, we started praying as a church. And the Lord just gathered a group of people, and he said, go. So we just got on the map and everything we found this little bush border crossing called Katete and we traveled over there got everything together loaded up trucks and stuff and we just we showed up at the border and there were two border guards there and uh and when I say border it's like a stick across a road that's a, a international border and and there was two guys Dennis and Albert so the guys from Malawi were a little bit nervous. I guess we all were. And it's kind of like, all right, we're going to show up here. We have no visa. We have our passports. But we have, we have no permission to cross this border. But we're going to ask for it. So the guys are like, so what do we do? I'm like, ah, let's share the gospel with them. So we walk up to Dennis and Albert, and we're working through an interpreter. And, and they're like, uh, what y'all doing here? You know, like, there, there's not a white man within... 300 miles of this place probably so we're like we're, uh, we're here in the name of Jesus we want to share the, this message with you would you listen uh, yeah so long story short we shared the gospel they both came to Christ and uh, now it's illegal for us to cross this border so Dennis I, mean, I see tears start coming down his face anyway he's in full uniform and uh I'm like, what's going on? So he starts, like, confessing sin. Man, I'm a drunkard. I mistreat my wife. And so anyway, we start talking. And here's, here's where I really want you to hear the power of prayer. I said, well, man, we want to pray for you now. We did. And he said, I got to tell you all a story. He said, normally I'm in the field working right now. He said, but about 11 o'clock I came in and I took a nap. He said, I was just telling Albert about it. Like they had just had a conversation about this. He said, I was taking a nap and I had a dream that a carload of white people showed up. And then I woke up and you showed up. Now guys, I, I'm not this wild dream interpreting guy. I'm not going to go down that. But I'm telling you, there's not a doubt in my mind that a church full of praying people didn't have anything to do Dennis having a dream so that he might hear the gospel and believe it. I, I, can't, I couldn't do, do that. So prayer doesn't just get you there to preach the gospel. It 
prepares the soil for which the seed will fall upon. Church was planted there. Dennis said, man, y'all got to come to the, the village chief. Man, he got saved. I mean, it, it just opened the door. So my friend Ken, who said I could never get in there, I called him when I got back. Because he, he asked me to. He said, man, how'd it go? I said, man, crazy. So I tell him the story. He's like, man, you had to have bribed him. You had to have paid him off. I'm like, bro, I'm telling you, I didn't pay him off. And he said, well, it wasn't safe for y'all to go across that border. I'm like, really? Anyway, I, I could tell you, if you I'm not going to take up any more of your time right now, but if you want to hear more stories about just like that on the other side of that border, I'd love to tell you about similar situation it's this is the way of God it's not it's it's not foreign to him this is how he works it's foreign to the world but it's not to the New Testament church and I pray gosh I pray that we'd find ourselves on our knees because we have to be secondly we want to be a church that provides look at verses 32 through 37 now the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Not only do we want to be a church that proclaims the gospel and prays through everything necessary to do that, we want to be a people who are so moved by the grace of God that we're generous. We'll give it all away if that's what we need to do. Why? Because by the grace of God, he gave us his son. What we see here is that God cares for the needs of his people. God cares for the needs of his people. Not only is God sovereign in leading us through difficult circumstances, but he is sovereign in providing for us. And what that looks like is helping one another. I mean, God cares for his people through his people. And that's what we see in this passage. It says the full number of those who believe were of one heart and soul. I love that. As believers, there should really never be a time that we, we're, we're not in agreement on most things. The full number... We're, we're over 5,000 at least, we know. They were of one heart and soul. And man, they held loosely to what they owned, right? No one said any of the things that belonged to him was his own. They had everything in common. Wow. What would make a people sell everything they own to help somebody else? We have the answer in this passage. It says, great grace was upon them all. Grace is what moved them to proclaim the resurrected Savior. Grace is what moved them to pray. Grace is what moved them 
to give and help meet one another's needs. This was a different day. It wasn't a tithe that they were obeying. It wasn't asceticism where they were just practicing doing without. It wasn't communism where they just kind of owned everything together and agreed on what to do with it. It was grace. The grace of God was upon them because God had given them everything in Jesus. They were willing to give everything to one another in the name of Jesus. That's different. That's different than what our flesh desires. That's different than what the world teaches. The world teaches us to gather as much stuff over here in our corner as we possibly can and guard it with all that we have, right? But what grace says is, Man, I've got all I need in Jesus. If you have a need, what's mine is yours. And it's this beautiful sense of community. I mean, we we couldn't create a program good enough to, to accomplish this. It was grace. I think about Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? It was in this moment. There was no... Look, look what it says. There was not a needy one among them. There was not a needy person among them. Verse 34. For as many as were owners or lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold, laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, the reality of, of this is that, man, it takes a lot of trust. It takes a whole lot of trust to, to be a people who will just sell what we have and lay it at the feet of man and trust them to distribute it to people who are in need. But that's, that's the reality of grace. Matter of fact, I, this just happened at Sell Street. Like, not long ago, somebody came and, and brought some money and said, hey, if somebody has this need, here's what this money's for. Lo and behold, a couple weeks later, somebody comes with a need, that matches what was given here. Man, I was like, glory, praise the Lord. This, this is still going on. And we want it to still go on. Heaven forbid that one of us would have a need that we wouldn't be willing to share with another. And heaven forbid that one of us wouldn't be, able, wouldn't be willing to help meet that need. Because, we, man, what more could we ask for than the Jesus we have been given. Grace changes everything. It turns us into a people who are radically different than anything that you'll find in the world. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of your own doing, it's a gift of God, not a result of works, that one of us may boast i mean it it all begins with grace when we when we recognize that we just everything we have belongs to him everything we are belongs to him so so what do we take home from this today first of all a better understanding of god's grace how it works through his people how it changes us, how it changes the way we think, the way we act, 
what we do. These men, after they prayed, we'll see in the next few chapters, they went and preached the gospel and were thrown in jail, came out, preached some more. See the same thing? Stephen did a very similar thing until he was murdered or martyred. And I think if I think if maybe Peter and John came in today, we we might would recommend they go have a mental evaluation instead of ask the Lord to give them strength to go back. I mean, just to be honest, like we gotta really really think about this. And if if you're a believer in this room today or watching online, it's only by the grace of God that that you even heard the gospel. We're talking about billions of people on the face of earth who have never heard the gospel. And you have. Think about the grace that's involved in that. Not to mention the fact that everything that we couldn't do to obtain the gift of eternal life has been done for us. Even though we were sinners, right? God demonstrated his love to us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. By the grace of God, Jesus was raised from the dead. And in the power of the resurrection, we are delivered from sin. So we're not just forgiven. That would be good if all that we were was forgiven of our sins by the grace of God. Furthermore, we've been delivered from the power of sin. And as a result, we can't help but go and tell. We can't help but give to those in need because we've experienced the grace of God. And so if you're here today, maybe, maybe you need a little courage or a little boldness to share the gospel with your lost friends, neighbors, coworkers, family. Maybe there's someone on your heart that you're just saying, man, if the Lord would just, just help me get over this fear or opposition, whatever it might be. And I want to encourage you with this passage of Scripture in that He is sovereign in your circumstances. And he is able to prepare you to accomplish His will, to share with whoever that might be. If you're here today and you've heard the gospel, right, that Christ came and died in our place to satisfy the wrath of God, was raised in power, and that power is available to deliver all who will trust in Him, I want to encourage you to respond to that this morning. Maybe, maybe you're here today and you, and, and you have a need. Maybe it's a physical need. Maybe it's a financial need. I don't know what it would be. But if you're a believer and you're a part of Cell Street Church, heaven forbid that you couldn't come to us and trust us to help you in a time of need. And, and I'm going to even say, man, We've got to be willing to sell it all to help one another, whatever that might look like. And so maybe that's you. Please, please let us know. Most of all, I just pray that the Word of God would, would just have its way in our lives, in our hearts. As we pray to close this morning, I just... I just ask that we all pray and ask the Lord, how is it that we should respond?
How is it? Because the, the Scriptures speak to us corporately and privately. The Spirit works in us corporately and privately. And those two things work together, not separately. And so whatever, we're going to have men standing in the front. If you have a need, if you need someone to pray for you, if you have a question, if you trust in Jesus and want to get baptized next week, man, we'll baptize some more next week. But how is it that the Lord would call us to respond today? And I'll let you answer that for yourself as we pray. Father, we just love you. You are so good. Your grace overwhelms us in such a way that we don't act normal. And so, Father, I pray that you would draw us near to you, that you would give us courage and boldness, wrapped in humility, Lord, to, to be your people and obey your word. Father, I pray that if there's a need among us that it would be met. I pray if there's one lost soul here today that you would draw them to Christ and they might receive the gift of eternal life Father thank you for your word and I pray that it would just continue to transform us as people that you would be glorified through it I pray it all in the matchless name of Jesus